So guys, excited for game night. What, uh, what is your favorite game night snack? What, what's the thing that you make sure to bring to a game night? Beer. Um, Pocky. Yeah. Pocky. I get down on Funyuns sometimes. And, and Funyuns and Mountain Dew is the classic. Yeah. The only time I've ever had Funyuns is, is playing uh, D&D. D&D. Same though. Yeah. Funyuns are not good. Can I just be, can I be <laughs> honest here? Funyuns are a bad snack. The texture is all wrong. They tear up the inside of your mouth. Um, I'm not a fan. That's of why onions. you need the you need the Mountain Dew. You don't just eat a Funyun. There has to be liquid in your mouth when you eat a Funyun. So you dip it in the Mountain Dew and then no, you eat it. No, no, no. You put Funyun in your mouth and then you drink something because it's so salty and dry. That's you that's, need liquid. You have to supplement. I think that that is functionally indistinguishable. I think that yeah, really, you could dip the Funyun, but that's disgusting. <laughs> it's like cookies and milk, Funyuns and Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah. Only like. It's like it's, it's, you put the cookie in your mouth and then drink milk as opposed to dipping because the cookie has the air pockets designed to hold liquid versus the Funyun because it's fried. The air pockets are very large and you're just drinking out of a weird shitty spoon. I think also one, one way you end up with, you know, Funyun and uh, Mountain Dew in, the, in your mouth. The other one, eventually you end up with a cup half full of Mountain Dew and Funyun bits. It's true. That is not appetizing. Again, functionally indistinguishable. That's what ends up in your stomach. Uh, the functionally distinguishable part of that is, of course, taste. Well, also, I if mean, you I were, guess... No, 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 no. If you were into taste, <laughs> we've, we've already left the realm of where taste is a concern. I find it interesting that Chris is the one who is advocating that aesthetics make no difference to the experience. Oh no, just that when you are pounding Funyuns and Mountain Dew, you've left Flavortown. You're not interested in complex um, I don't artisanal think flavor flavors. Town is complex artisanal flavors. Hey, Flavortown is donkey sauce, dude. <laughs> Flavor- you could dip some some uh, uh, flaming uh, Funyuns in some donkey sauce. I bet that'd be pretty you good. You can't judge Flavortown by its most famous resident. Yes, um, you can. It's exactly what you do with everything ever. It's how the human I'm mind saying, works. So I'm, I'm, I am a, I'm a Canadian, right? Yeah. For every Celine Dion, there is a Jim Carrey. All I'm saying is that I think Guy, F- Guy, F- Fieri? Guy Fieri? Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Yeah, you're way too much accent on that. I'm, I'm fairly certain there's actually... There might have been at one point. Yeah. I, used, I had a guy who worked for me once who actually knew Guy Fieri growing up. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he told the weirdest stories about him. But, um, huh. By the way, big shout out to Guy Fieri because he's a really, really great, nice dude. Really nice dude. I'm about to be on a cruise ship um, in about a week uh, that features his burger stand. Um, and no shit, it is one of the, the better places to eat on that cruise. Um, yeah, I mean, all my Guy Fieri hate is 100% the jealousy that I don't make millions of dollars to go eat food. God, fucking diners, drive-ins, and dives is like, if I could pitch what I wanted to do, maybe differently. I would do it differently. But if I could pitch what I wanted to be paid to do on this earth, it would be go around. Eat barbecue and drink whiskey. Eat barbecue, drink whiskey, give sophisticated opinions and stories about these things, and get paid enough to continue doing that and maybe have a retirement at some point. Because I'm not getting paid enough to for my current job. You're getting paid? Yeah, I don't make any money down here in the bunker. Fuck. 
Um, no, sorry. Um, that was it's a figure of speech, really. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I understand. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally a figure of speech okay. and nothing else. But to return to the point before we go on too long of a tangent, this is a this is the cold open, but, but fuck, we, we've gone on. Um, Guy Fieri might be the mayor of Flavortown, but he was not elected democratically. Russia interfered in that election. There are other people who come from Flavortown. You know Gordon Ramsay? He's from Flavortown. Do you know your, your grandma who makes the delicious food? She's from Flavortown. There are a ton of denizens of Flavortown, and we can't all we can't judge them by the man who's sitting behind the, the big desk of Flavortown. How how did we get here from board games? <laughs> Is it a hibachi? I have to imagine the the desk for the big for the mayor of Flavortown is a hibachi. It most certainly is, Ben. Theme song! I love the ones that go weird. We know. We know. It's my it's my type. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to Draft the Universe. This is the Nerdfight Battle Royal. This is the podcast where we pick a topic, pick our favorites, and then fight to the death. Or maybe just, just for bragging, bragging rights. rights. I'm Jafar. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be debating tabletop games. Awesome. Woo! Hey, so during that intro, would you mind taking more pauses in between words? I wanted to try and throw you off just enough. Um, so we're now doing this podcast at each other. <laughs> it, is, it is an interesting experience. <laughs> I just so so either I can follow your exact cadence um, and either mime silently, which does not interfere with the recording, or I can just. Like say exactly what you're saying, which I think yeah. is kind of fun. I think you should take the interest. I think you should take Ritalin. Or, or you can leave. <laughs> How do you know I'm not? <laughs> because we you can't, we know. <laughs> because you can't not copy Jafar during the intro. I'm always so. Here's the thing. I think that I copy Jafar because I'm waiting for a spot in there to say something, and he never gives it to me because he's always saying it with the exact same cadence, unless he's purposely trying to throw me off. In which case. I might occasionally get a word in there, but really, I'm just trying to get a word in. Um, then take the intro, Chris. We've had this conversation. No, it's not right. If it's, It has to be you. You have to do the intro. <sighs> I'm just saying, let me fuck with it more. No. No. <laughs> no, has the guy who insisted we get a whiteboard so that we don't forget the intro? <laughs> you don't get to fuck with it more. It's just, we're in the second season People are expecting us to blow up our premise a little bit. It's like the good place, right? I, I'm I'm never Man. going to compare this podcast to the good place. No, the good place is brilliant. The good the good place is so good. This last season of the good place was really fucking good. Mm. good I, I liked season three more than season two. Oh wow, yeah, it's it <laughs> really good. But do you know what else is is really fucking good? Tabletop games. Yeah, true. Nice segue. Nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a me segue right there. I felt like it felt just forced enough. That was as graceful as I imagine you would be on a segue. Mm. Yeah, I've got let's, poor balance. Well, let's let's be honest here. Um, I think most of us, 
We, we should do this sometime. Rent segways. Rent segways. Down the street, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's some place in the bunker that will let us. Yeah, we should that rent That does segways. seem a very bunker mode of transportation. Yeah. Yeah. Like Paul Blart. The pile of forgotten segways. Yeah. Well, yeah, but those are all dusty. We should find a better... There's probably a, a robot I mean, pedaling we, some seg- segways. Yeah, have we checked in Electric Ladyland? Wait a second. You could... You can talk about Electric Ladyland now. Yeah, it's just down the hallway. I mean, it's a big empty room. There's definitely nothing in it, but it seems like the name that's, of a place. That's true. Currently true. Yes. There, there are there are there are no longer any electric ladies. Well, yeah, there were great. never any electric ladies. No, it's there were been a, a big empty were, room. There were a lot of them until Lorian, uh, more okay. or less single-handedly, with a little bit of help from Ben, uh, I mean, cleared that out. Cleared that room. Um, oh, okay. Well, I, I have was been very worried. very injured. I have been worried about this, and I I, I kind of been thinking about this. You know how, like, sometimes if a coffee machine runs out of coffee, uh, we're talking, like, an office coffee machine. Yeah. Runs out of coffee, it'll, like, hop on the phone and call its manufacturer and say, hey, we're out of coffee now. I should have said soda machine. It's probably a better analogy. But it says, like, hey, um, over the Wi-Fi, it says, send me some more coffee. I've been a little worried that maybe our bunker has, like, a, a plan in place for if we got rid of all the electric ladies and now we might start receiving more. Um, I have, I have like more or less ignored all of our mail lately for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I've, ign- we've been ignoring the mail since the draft extravaganza. I mean, so far there's only about seven or eight human sized boxes, which is pretty normal um, mm-hmm. for, for the bunker. Um, and we never opened them before, and they always seemed to, you know, something happened. Disappear, yeah. 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 They disappear. Or... Yeah, I'm not too Or you'd about wake it. up inside of one of them, not knowing how you got there, and somehow it's sealed on the outside, and you scream until your co hosts come and. You know. I never helped you out of a box. No, we helped you out of a box. I was never in a box. Okay. Yeah. So, board games! <laughs> Nailed it! First match is Chris versus Ben. Lock them in, boys. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and reach into this giant wooden chest. And we can open this up. Oh, this is the anniversary edition of Catan. Oh, nice. With all the handcrafted parts. This is a very nice set. Cool. Very expensive. Google it. It's very pretty. I'm going to start with a classic. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you probably enjoyed seeing um, Reese Witherspoon in this one. Um, Battleship? Oh, sorry, sorry. That was Clueless. I'm going oh. for Clue. Wait, isn't that Alicia Silverstone? You you were right, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Sorry, I was thinking of Legally Blonde. <laughs> yep. I, I shouldn't have because Legally Blonde, good movie. Clueless, eh. Not like Clueless. Oh. Ben? Um. Have you seen Clueless since the 90s, though? No. <laughs> there were a lot of things that were good in the 90s that do not hold up. That's true. Not everything can be jingle all the way. That's fair. Ben. Also, yep, very true. I'm going to start with Smash Up. Okay. So we've got Clue versus Smash Up. I will say I actually played Clue earlier today. Really? Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones Clue. Oh, cool. It's who fun. did it? And who did they kill? Um, We don't find out who they killed because it's probably just everyone um but one game was peter baelish was the killer Uh and then the other game was um 
Oh, guy, the guy from Plebes and Marine. What? He's in like four episodes, and he's from a different show called Plebes, which is like The Office, but set in ancient Rome. Well, yes, but... And I can't remember the character's name. Okay, so... Or the actor's name, but that's the role in common. Okay. That was, um... Plebes is totally worth your time, by the way. At least the first... I only watched the first season or two. Like, maybe, like, Hamish Cornywater or something like that? It's something. Yeah. I just came up with a Game of Thrones name right Yeah, that's a good job. All right, your criteria is... The commissioner is coming to game night. Which game pleases them the most? Wow. The correct answer here is nothing, of course, but let's hear what you got. Chris? That's true. Um... I think that the uh, the commissioner is a, a sucker for classics. Um, after all, we did start off by 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 drafting cover songs, right? Yeah. Um, fond place in everybody's heart and memory. Uh, don't go back and listen. Um, or do. Or do. Um, so I think I think that Clue's rich heritage of being a game that most people play, like. The first copy that you play of Clue is probably a copy that's already 15 or 20 years old. Mm. Um, there's a lot of old copies. It's played everywhere. Um, it's a really simple game. Um, and it's a murder mystery. And if there's one thing that I know the the commissioner appreciates, it's murder mysteries. Because I'm fairly certain he's tried to stage several of them on us. Hmm. That checks out. In real life. So I think that Clue would be a fun... Um, be a fun thing to play, play play with him and maybe distract him enough to avoid actually having some sort of murder mystery happen. All right. Sorry. Fuck. I'm I so we don't know the gender of, of the commissioner. So it's a them, not a him. My apologies. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So I counter with this. If there's anything we know that the commissioner enjoys, it's a murder. I believe we can pretty definitively say the commissioner does not appreciate when we try to solve the crimes. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to say is they might have more fun playing a game like Smash Up, where you take something like robots and ladies and smash them together and try to see what you get. Hmm. If, if you take dinosaurs and zombies and smash them together, you get floor four. Yeah, okay. Um, so I know we haven't done this in maybe 30 or 40 episodes, but I'd like a small rebuttal. <laughs> um, and I would say that I think that the commissioner might be honor bound so that every murder puzzle is in some way solvable. I think that there's a sense of honor there. And I think that the intricacy of it is somewhat akin to like Jigsaw um, setting up a, a puzzle, a game for people to play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that he'll probably appreciate that. All right, so I'm looking at both these answers here, and I really think Ben's got it. Um, I, I think that trying to take things and just throwing them together willy-nilly and seeing what you get is very in line with what I've seen here in the bunker. Mm-mm. And, oh. Told, yeah. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. You just called the commissioner willy-nilly. Um, okay, let me read this. Uh, no, Chris gets the point. Oh. Okay, well, I guess uh, 
Hold on a second. There's a there's a second paragraph there. Why aren't you reading it? Uh-huh. Also, Jafar has to go to the dark room again. What that it doesn't say that, Chris. Ben, like just back. back. I'm not reading this. I, I No, no, I'm, feelings, I'm pretty sure that's I, not there, Chris. My feelings have been hurt. So um I guess Chris gets the point because the commissioner likes murder mysteries. <laughs> Big surprise, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean I, I I'm surprised. I would have thought they would have enjoyed the the intricacies of of smash up, but yeah, I think. Can, uh, can yeah, can we take a, take a moment to recognize that I think the game that you want to play with the commissioner is probably Smash Up and not Clue, because a game of commi- of Clue with the commissioner is going to involve some real murder. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, it is. All right, next match is Ben versus Jafar. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the game of Geography and Conquest. I'm going with Risk. Okay, and I will take a risk. Take a chance. Take a chance. Make a change. And, and connect break four. Away. Oh, well, that, that too, yeah. Connect. I'll spread my wings. I'm, I'm, I'm taking oh. connect four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kelly Clarks. I, we know. Okay. <clears throat> that's not, that's, that's staying in the podcast, by the way. Oh, no. I, yeah, yeah, that's. I, I. It is only by by <laughs> fate that I have not made you guys do a Kelly Clarkson song draft. <laughs> we'll see who comes in second this one. <laughs> I mean, lately, chances are Ben. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, gentlemen, give a shitty Yelp review of your game. So, I try to play this game with, with some of my friends. And what are all these places? Like, this isn't even a good map. Mm. Like, what's Central America? No, that that's Mexico, right? And, like, Russia's not even on here. Like, I don't understand. Uh, all these all these places aren't, aren't real. Like, they just lump all of Western Europe together. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know what they're trying to, what they're trying to teach, teach my kids here. Also... All of the part pieces are unintelligible. It's just th- like I, 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 V, V's. I don't understand. This game makes me think too much. I don't like it. Two out of five stars. Because Kamchakta is a type of vodka. Oh. <clears throat> okay, go on. I'm... I'm- I have a comment to make, but I can't say it until Jafar has finished his pitch. Okay. Well, not pitch, but... Yeah. Okay. Jafar. So, what's the point of this game anyways? Like, they tell me that I need to connect four, but then someone else is also trying to connect four at the same time, and they're just getting in my way, and I'm getting in their way, and it'd be a lot easier if we just were trying to connect four... On separate boards. That said, I did win, but it was kind of on accident and I don't know how. So I'm happy, but I'm not as happy as I could be. Well, you won right here. See? Diagonally. Four out of five stars. <laughs> you connected the stars there. Um, <clears throat> so I predicted something when, I, when we wrote this criteria, and that was that it would be 
a hair's breadth away from turning into a valley girl kind of speech. <laughs> um, and both of you guys, without realizing it, hopefully, like tune your tune your voices up a half an octave and say, oh, my God, after like. And you were there. And the entire time I just heard it. <laughs> so. I was really actively trying to not do it because I heard Ben kind of almost go into it a little bit. And I thought about either leaning in or leaning out. I decided to lean out. <laughs> Um, I think that just might be my incredulous voice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, Ben, you, you took apart the game um, uh, in a pretty good way. Um, I, I did, however, appreciate more how Jafar suggested putting the game back together. Um, I like the idea of Connect 4 played on two separate boards with no competition. Because <laughs> it's just That like, is the saddest and loneliest thing I've ever imagined. <laughs> yeah. Just like connect for solitaire. <laughs> you could I mean you could potentially do that, right? Like Yeah. You would just like draw a card to tell you where you're you, you drop the opponent's chip and then you're fighting random chance to try and get connect for. You just, like, roll a dice, and that's what column that, you drop it in. That might actually be more difficult to play against than a real player, because a real player, like, can be predicted based on them trying to go after connecting for. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, this this one goes to Jafar for inventing one of the loneliest games I've ever heard of. Okay. Four is the loneliest number that the, you ever the, See, see, Ben, the marketing <laughs> writes itself. <laughs> All right, the next match is Jafar versus Chris. All right. Excellent. Oh, and this one's wrapped around the thief. All right, Jafar, pick your... I'm going to go with chess and possibly chess boxing. We'll see. <laughs> on the, we'll see once we hit the criteria. Okay. Um, Keeping the options open. I mean, fight fire with fire, right? Um, and by fire, I mean fight tiny representations of people being moved around by much larger entities with their own plans. Um, you're, you're there. I, I know what you're going to say. You just got to... No, I lost the structure of the sentence, not the content of it. Yeah. I was making an analogy wherein we, moving the pieces around on the board playing chess, are in some ways um, a... A great, mysterious old one yes. moving their pawns around. Yeah, like Rick, perhaps. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Call of Cthulhu. Oh, not Arkham Horror? No. Okay. Bring, bring. Hello. It's for you. Cthulhu. What? That'd be called for Cthulhu, not call of Cthulhu. Although that does make me want to do like a short <laughs> film. <laughs> oh my sure, God. fine. I'll accept the charges. <laughs> I understand. Yes, it's very long distance. Can I just say, so uh, call of so Cthulhu uh, is like yeah yeah Cthulhu flagon. Uh, right? Yeah. It's like that. That's the, the, the phrase yeah, the from Fitagen, it. Yeah. I always appreciated in the story how they describe that the language of Relay is like, it sounds as though you're saying it while being half drowned. 
Yeah. I, I always appreciated that was like a nice little point that they added. And if if you, if you like imagine it's like right, it sounds yeah. like it's like gurgling water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we are. All right. Well, uh, in the great vein of uh, everything possible that's possible being mined for for visual media. Yeah. Gritty reboot your game into a movie. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Now, Jafar, I know this will be hard. You can't just do chess. That's the, fine. I, I want to do... The musical chess I wanna is do, out. I want to do chess boxing. And oh, no, more specifically, the... what I want to do is I want to have this movie be made in about 20 years. And I want to continue the Rocky Creed line of movies. Oh, God. Where it is Creed, who is the old man now. Like, because it's Creed Jr., right, in the new movies that they've been doing. And it's him training his son, who is in the chess club and is a total nerd at school. (laughs) And he tries to get him into boxing and to, like, defend himself by getting him into chess boxing. And so his son is going to teach him how to play chess, and he is going to teach his son how to box, who's getting picked on in high school, so that he can defend himself. Nice. I like it. I would watch that movie. <laughs> I, I think that I've seen a version of this movie, just not from the Rockyverse. Like, that, that movie works. <laughs> how, many, how many musical numbers are in it? Um... Probably just the one because I imagine Creed Jr. is in theater. Hold on a second. So we'll have a scene where they're doing like Les Mis or something. So I have to, I have to, I have to kind of confess to something. I've not seen a Rocky film in a long time. I don't think I've seen maybe two thirds of that, of the Rocky verse. Okay. I haven't seen the newest Creed one. I, I wanted to. It sounded good. Um, but I've really only ever seen Rocky like on cable television. I never had somebody in my life who was really into Rocky and I never liked boxing myself. Yeah. Um, so I've not seen a lot of this. How many musical numbers is standard for a Rocky film? Um, I know about the montage. So yeah, montages, if we count yeah. the montages, then one. But so here's the thing <laughs> in Rocky, there's the montage, right? Yeah. Da, 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 yeah, it's like da, 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 the, one of yeah. the most famous montages in cinema history. So gonna fly now. But but yeah. there's but there's no words to that. So just yes, so there are. gonna fly now. Yeah, there's words to that song. And Rocky sings those words as he's boxing the meats. No. No. No, there's But there are lots him. of songs in chess. Chess is a musical, you guys. It's a, it's, it's there's really a musical good. named chess. It's really, really good. I suppose if you pick one word at random, there's probably musical, <laughs> right? Chess, rent, hair. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch. Yeah. yeah. All right, Chris. Okay, so <laughs> uh, so we're 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 doing a gritty reboot of um, Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. the tabletop game, which is based upon a. Uh, Novella, it's kind of right in between novella and longer short story by H.P. Lovecraft. It might be technically a novella. It might 
be in that perfect spot where it's just a story. It's not a long story. <laughs> it's not a short story. Yeah, yeah. It's just a story. It's just um, a story. Mm-hmm. It's not a novel. It's not a novella. It's a novel. I don't know. Um, so, uh, got some good source material there. Um, I would say that, really, the board game kind of represented a gritty reboot of the original source material into a different format. So we're going to take this, we're going to move it onto the silver screen. Yes. Right? Yep. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Guillermo del Toro has wanted to make uh, a Cthulhu movie um, for a long time. Not Call of Cthulhu, but At the Mountains of Madness is one of his pet projects. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been trying to get this made forever. It's one of those, like... It probably is better that it'll never get made because it's going to be the source of like a great documentary at some point. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to take him because um, I, I trust him when it comes to uh, the visuals involved for a horror uh, horror slash sci fi slash like kind of flashier um, film, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to say pick somebody to make a Call of Cthulhu movie, yeah. Um, so, so we got Guillermo del Toro. I'm thinking that we'll probably get somebody with a lot of gravitas as the lead, like maybe a Willem Dafoe. Um, okay. Uh, right. And, and here's the thing. We're going to do it real, um, real subtle. This is kind of a more, uh, to, to call from Willem Dafoe's catalog. This is more antichrist than, um, Boondock Saints, right? Right. The the creepiness kind of comes on slow. It builds up very, very, very slowly throughout. Um, and uh, the it's a, it's a, one of those films where you don't see the big baddie um, almost through the entire thing. Maybe you don't ever see it. Yeah. Done really well. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like this is the kind of movie that could get made today. Would you say it was done which really well? That's that's pretty funny. <laughs> so here's so here's here's the thing though, right? We're doing a gritty reboot of something that's already pretty gritty. So we have to get real gritty with it, right? Right. Getting gritty with it. Yeah. No. 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 Sorry. Um, that was enough. We all knew exactly what the right amount was. So here's here's where it gets interesting, Ben. Um, the version of this film that is going to play for early reviewers is the film, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to pre- premiere um, at the, the Chinese theater in Hollywood. Man's. Man's Chinese theater in Hollywood. Um, uh, as, as intended, right? For the wide theatrical release, for which people will be looking at the newspaper reviews, only one out of five theaters is going to receive the original cut. Interesting. Every other theater is going to receive a film that is identical to it, except that over the course of the film, the contrast and brightness of the screen gets lower and lower (laughs) until by 20 minutes in, you can't see anything. (laughs) It's just black. (laughs) It's just a black screen with Willem Dafoe saying very, like, existential things over top of it. (laughs) So... You, people will show up to the theater expecting one thing and will get another thing. But there will be just enough people who go to see this film and see the original version. <laughs> that one-fifth of the, of the audience of this movie will gaslight the other four-fifths. <laughs> be like, no, it was fine for me. 
I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. It was great. A monster was real scary. I really liked it. Do you want to go get your vision checked? I really liked the movie. I thought that um, Willem Dafoe's physical performance had a lot of nuance to it. <laughs> Four-fifths of everybody is just be like, I, I, I couldn't see it the whole time. What was... What? And that's how you do a gritty reboot of Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. I appreciate what you're doing there, Chris. I just feel real bad for four-fifths of theater employees who have to deal with just angry people who are just like, I demand my money back. And it's like, it's Call of Cthulhu. They're doing a, 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 a thing. And it's like, I don't care about no books. I came here to get my kids to shut up for an hour and a half. And they have to give them vouchers. Lots of vouchers going to be handed out, yeah. And then all the theaters go out of business. Thanks, Chris. You ruined movies. You asked me to gritty reboot Call of Cthulhu. I mean, yeah. We get what we deserve for that one. The madness of a standard Lovecraftian tale, in this case, really is more upon the shoulders of the movie um, the movie, uh, sta- movie theater staff. That is, that, is, that is true. But I have to give this one to Jafar. I, I think that a... A third generation to the the Rocky Creed verse. <laughs> you gotta give, do something. Just boxing, yeah. Mix it up. Speaking of mixing it up, um, we're halfway through right now, and I need to talk about something else. Okay. So we have some coffee mugs in front of us, right? And Ben, you have a Darth Vader mug in which I was given the coffee here. Yes. And I haven't seen this mug before, and I'm going to go ahead and show it to Chris right here. Is it just me, or does that say Garth Vader? Yep, that definitely says Garth it, it, Vader. Take a look at that. It says Garth Vader on this mug. <laughs> hey, Ben, you've been Garthed. <laughs> right? It is a weird printed D. Yeah. I, think, it, I can definitely... It, it's it's clearly a misprinted D, um, and it, it just... It, so Garth Vader's been staring so me what, in the what, face. So here. after his accident on on Mustafar, you know, his, th- they did everything they could, but the D was never the D quite was the never same. quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. there we are. That's that's what all I needed to talk about. The next match is Ben versus Chris. All right, uh, I will roll for initiative and take D and D. It's D and D. I'm adding a marble to the pail that lowers the lever that releases a marble down the, the down the tracks that knocks a block off, which releases the rope, which drops the piano, which also drops the trap onto the mouse and taking the mouse trap. All right. I need you both to take it off the table. Whose game is better in real life? <laughs> okay. Um. Well. I feel like escapism is a very interesting place to actually find yourself. Yeah. Um. If you were actually just pulled into the world of a D&D game. We've already we've already we've already adjudicated this in a previous episode, right? <laughs> Where we dropped ourselves into a scenario 
um, as a regular human trying to like live in the Star Wars universe, and Ben was in the Ogre Battles universe. Yeah, we've done this a handful of <laughs> yeah. times in different different universes. <laughs> Jafar always ends up in Star Wars, though. It's weird. I, uh, I, I do actually. Yeah, I think I've been more than once now. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but what makes D and D just an interesting and I think preferable place to be is your advancement is guaranteed. If you work hard and you you uh, gain experience points, you are eventually rewarded for it. You never get caught spinning your wheels. You never get caught in a place where you don't achieve anything. You You can always work your way out of a rut. And then there is a physical manifestation of that in the form of leveling up. Unlike the real world. In the real world... Yeah, you can work really hard and never get out of your, you know, dead-end job. You can put in tons of work and, uh, you know, just never happen to get better at your hobby. You, you, can just, you plateaued. You can record near 60 episodes of a podcast that just never takes off. Okay. But in the D&D world, regardless of what you're doing, you're getting experience. And... So it's it, like an internship. Except you actually get paid. Oh, Okay. Cool. If you murder people, things, or I just guess, take their stuff, or just take their stuff, I guess you can you can rob as well. Yeah, as murder. All right, Chris, real life mouse trap. Um, real life mouse trap is just saw, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Either that or being an exterminator, <laughs> um, the world's worst exterminator. <laughs> Hey, Rube Goldberg exterminators. Hold on a second. Does not Hold on a second. <laughs> that is my pitch to make, sir. Rube Goldberg exterminator. Rube Goldberg and Son Extermination Services is exactly what Mousetrap would be. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to show up like, hey, the, the, the exterminators are supposed to clear up that mouse problem, and like they're walking away like... And I open the door, and there's a guy face first in a tub and a smashed piano. It's just like, what happened? Like, that's how you catch a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> My bitch has made itself. I didn't have to say shit. <laughs> I think that a world in which there is... Uh, in which you afford the mouse an opportunity to react and to get out of the, out of the trouble... Um, and and hardware stores sell a lot of things that are easy to like assemble together. I think that the world of mousetrap is a world in which Rube Goldberg machines are just how you do things, right? Yeah. Like you want to get out of bed in the morning, you've got an alarm clock that like cooks your toast and makes makes some eggs for you, right? Yeah. The whole world of mousetrap is filled with these like intricate machines that do things that are very simple to do. In the most extravagant way possible, um, in as many steps as possible. Do you know what happens in that world? Or you, I should say, you know what doesn't happen in that world? Mice don't get killed because you're missing a piece of your Rube Goldberg machine? There's never a labor shortage. <laughs> because everybody is always too busy building Rube Goldberg machines. So, mousetrap in the real world fixes the economy forever. 
Unless you hit a hit a tipping point where there are too many Rube Goldberg machines, everything's been automated to the point where they all set off all the Rube Goldberg machines. Ben, the Rube Goldberg machine that sets off the other Rube Goldberg machines. Yes. Hold on, Ben. You just said the phrase "too many Rube Goldberg machines," and that's fucking ridiculous. I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a, there's a tipping point there. Um, there might be a tipping point, but I don't think my generation's gonna live to see it. So fuck it. Um, oh, no. oh god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> both of these are very intriguing to me. Um Chris, I really appreciated um Rube Goldberg and Son Exterminators. That's, I mean, that's that's good. I mean, you d- you did help with that one, so credit where credit is due. I did, but the the and Son really <laughs> is what pushed it from me being a smartass to you being funny, <laughs> um, which is a good line. It's a good line to cross. Um, ben, real life D and D, and the promise of actual advancement being guaranteed is a little too good to be true, but it is fantasy. Yeah. So there we are. Um, really, this comes down to on the off chance my wife ever listens to this podcast. I met her doing real-life Dungeons & Dragons effectively. <sighs> and for that, I have to give the point to Ben. Woo! But she's not. <laughs> she's not going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Hey, Ellen. I hope someday that you, you hear this. I just want to take, take a moment to say that um, I've really appreciated getting to know you. I'm really glad that you you met my best friend and married him because you've made him very happy. I am very happy. Yeah, that's true. You you've you're 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 you have you have greatly enriched his life. You are a wonderful member of his party. That being said, you're never going to hear what I just said about you. <laughs> so there. <laughs> All right. The next match is Jafar versus Ben. Okay. Um, and I will go ahead and take Pandemic Legacy. All right. I will go with X-Wing. Okay. All right. Those were picked back-to-back in round four in the last episode, for those keeping mm-hmm. track at home. <laughs> and there are many people keeping track at home, right? <laughs> no one. No one keeping we should, track at home. <laughs> we should print, like, some uh, some some blank scorecards that people can fill out while they listen along. It would be a great way to get some audience participation. And, oh, like and when maybe you guys could game. do it and you'd finally understand how this podcast works. I understand how it works. <laughs> I say things and then we do them. <laughs> I make funny jokes and never win. <laughs> For a while I was on top. It's cool. I was basically the primary... Uh, antagonist of season one and I came up on top a lot more often and so now obviously in season two it's my time to kind of take a back seat and let you guys shine a little more (laughs) we appreciate it yeah it feels good to win all right licensed board games are the lifeblood of the industry pitch a branded version of your game okay so we were just talking about how I always end up doing Star Wars. So I'm just going to lean into that right now and do a Star Wars legacy game. Okay. Um, now, Pandemic, ha- obviously Pandemic Legacy there. We've got the board changes over time um, as things spread. 
And we do have something very similar to that in Star Wars inherently built into the canon, although it is not the spread of infectious disease, it is the spread of rebellion itself. And so instead of the pandemic being the disease and you trying to fight against it, you are going to be the rebellion or the empire, and it'll be two different teams, and you're <coughs> trying to spread rebellion across the galaxy in a legacy-style game where, mm. oh, hey, we got this system that's going to come into effect next time, or hey, the Empire took back Hoth and now we lost that mm -hmm. in a long-form version of a game very similar to Star Wars Rebellion, uh, but with a lot more micromanagement in the form of most games will take place on a world or two instead of being the full galaxy hop. Mm -hmm. and you work your way through a campaign that way. Very cool. Mm -hmm. All right, Ben. All right. This one's a little interesting because X-Wing is already a branded game. Uh, <laughs> it is a Star Wars-themed game. Yep. Uh, yep. So we... We take away what is the Star you know, we take away everything Star Wars about no. X Wing. No, I want you to keep the, I want you to keep the Star Wars in it. <laughs> I wanna see a mashup. Okay. <laughs> uh, then Don't 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 cave to me. Go go do, do go your in. pitch. Do whatever's yeah. in your heart, Ben. Do your so, do your pitch. In at its very core, uh, X Wing is a very tight, very good um, minis flight combat game. And we need to try and uh, connect that with a group of people who have already proven that they will just buy a shit ton of minis and the ease and accessibility of something like X-Wing. Okay. So we make a Warhammer 40k uh, space uh, dogfighting game. Doesn't that already exist? They they have a, a battleship 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 game, but this is this okay. is fighters. Okay, and I think your main characters are a bunch of orcs in their cobbled together uh, spaceships and their Cockney accents, going all right, get, get this in, uh, going out and smashing some people in a wall, and so you get the fun, charming uh, orc characters. You get you know the uh, the Eldar space elves for the edgy kids. You get, uh... <laughs> Ain't that the fucking truth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get, uh, you know, your your chaos uh, space marines for the guys who uh, think they're edgy but aren't quite edgy enough to play Eldar. You get, uh... Regular space marines for the, you know, hardcore right wing among you. <laughs> yep, and your, uh... Your uh, Imperial Guard space marine... Or, uh, uh, space fighters for people who are just as, as right-wing, but don't have the, the cool shit. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, you get your, your Tyranid uh, space um, flying monsters and stuff for the kid who really just needs to shower more. Okay. Uh, but you've already got, you know, you've got pre-existing canon to work with. You're not starting from the ground up. You're, you're, you've got pre-existing, uh, you know, characters you can throw in there. People have their pre-existing loyalties. And unlike... Getting somebody into you know deep Warhammer 40k, all these pieces come uh, pre-painted, pre-ready to go. You buy you know a box set and you are playing five minutes later. Okay. It mm. is it is a a niche that the Warhammer community is missing. Also, you get Cockney Orcs and it's great. Mm. 
<laughs> I was, and I know part of this is this just the game that I'm playing right now, and it's not the game that you're playing right now. But I was really hoping you were going to do gummy ships in X-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. What's a gummy ship? It's from Kingdom Hearts. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's basically like weird Legos. Yeah, Chris yeah. said mashup, and I'm just all like, gummy ships in X-Wing! <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for like maybe like a X-Wing, like My Little Pony mashup or something. Something that could like really speak to a very specific nerd demographic. <laughs> I mean, mine's about a pretty... 20 to 25 people. <laughs> mine's a very specific nerd demographic, too. Just not quite that small. Yeah. Um... Ben, I think that yours makes a ton of money. Let's be honest here. Although I think that you might have, in in insisting that all of the miniatures come pre-painted, even pre-assembled, you might have made less money. Um, because I think that Warhammer people would just buy, would buy more things to paint and assemble. Um, that being said, Jafer's is a game that I would actually play. So I'm going to give the point to Jafer. I really like the idea of... Um, a game where it's kind of like an ongoing campaign against a uh, of, of a rebellion against an entrenched empire. I think that there's a lot of fun stuff with that. And I think that maybe season to season too, you could do something fun like um, whatever the state is of the the galactic universe at the end of one season of uh, of Star Wars uh, Legacy mm-hmm. uh, influences. Yeah, the- you could like have everyone like take scans of their, like, take a photo of their final board and who controls what systems yeah. and use that to set up season two and yeah. maybe, like, introduce the huts or something and mm-hmm. have some fun with it. Yeah, I think it could be a, I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, not that yours wouldn't be fun, Ben, but I'm not paying that much money. Well, it's also, it, you, you can get into X-Wing for cheap. That's what's great about it. You can start playing X-Wing for cheap. <laughs> That's how they get you. Oh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'm about to, by the way. I don't know how long it's going to be, but um, uh, Jordan, uh, a good friend of the podcast, uh, sent me a, a photo the other day of uh, Battlestar Galactica from the same, uh, from Fantasy Flight Games, is it? They made one? That's yeah, cool. They're making one, yeah. They're making That's one. It's so supposed just... to be compatible. Like, I mean, it will be as compatible, I imagine, probably slightly more compatible than Attack Wing and X-Wing. Yeah. But you could probably make it work. It'd be... Pretty interesting, considering the very limited nature of Battlestar Galactica. There's not a lot of different ships. There's yeah. not a lot of different ships. I mean, I think it could be fun if you, like, throw in... There is an episode uh, where one of the vintage Cylon ships shows up, if you remember that. Yeah. Along with some vintage Cylons. Um, you could, could you'll probably do a lot more with the pilots and stuff. Yeah. In that regard, it will probably be closer to Attack Wing than X-Wing. Yeah. Where what makes things distinct isn't necessarily the ship, but the, the, uh, the pilot yeah. the pilot and the stuff you attach to it. Mm-hmm. Although there is also some cool room there for if they include like the Galactica and stuff, mm-hmm. like the capital support. You yeah. can have a lot of interesting things there because that is a very important part of the dogfighting in that. See, that's interesting. When we, when I was brainstorming for that, I thought Battlestar Galactica, and I'm just like, there's not enough to work with here. I think it's a very limited game, but I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Maybe make that work though. I mean, if yeah. you just put everything in a box and call it good, yeah. rather than have it be a collectible nature. So, yeah. so here's the thing about Battlestar Galactica. If you were going to make a Battlestar Galactica video game, you want to go like Walking Dead style. Like, you want a game that's about hard choices and the, the repercussions of those choices later on. You don't want a game that's about the dogfighting because the dogfighting is very limited. You can make a game about the dogfighting, and they have. 
Mm-hmm. That game is uh, fuck. I don't remember the name of it, but um, it's Diaspora. Yeah, Diaspora. Um, that game is fucking incredible. And one of these days, I'm gonna get rig that game up to work with VR, and I'm gonna launch myself out of uh, a tube on the Galactica, and really, I'm never gonna come back to reality, um, because <laughs> the experience of being launched out of one of those tubes. Um, including, by the way, Ben, that there's like a 20% chance that your launch will fail and you have to move to another tube and then launch again, which is really authentic. Um, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. And then like having to avoid the Galactica's like artillery field. Um, and like, it, like, cause yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great fucking game. There. Yeah. Um, but that's a, it's a limited experience. You can only do that a couple times. All right. Well, Last match of the second round is Chris versus Jaffer. All right. <clears throat> You've got Arkham Horror and Dune. Yeah. What are the points? Right now, I have three points, and you and Ben are tied at two, one each. Okay. I shouldn't have asked that. Because yep. <laughs> now, if <laughs> yeah, if now, okay. Oh, well, if you win, you go to the finals. If you lose, then it's a coin flip for the finals. Yep. Gotcha. So you've got a chance to get in, no matter how this goes. Okay, that's fair. Um, go big or go home, I guess. Wh- which which one is that? It's Dune. Tighten up your tighten up. Yeah, tighten up the seals on your still suit. Fire up the ornithopter. We're headed for the spice fields. Mm, sounds like we're going to be doing some resource gathering. Mm, yeah. I, th- I think I'll take Settlers of Catan. All right. There is only one resource, though. That resource is spice. It is the currency of an empire. It enables the folding of time and space to travel. I'll, I'll give you one sheep for one spice. You know, we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. Ben, we need a criteria. Okay. Reaching into this uh, maybe, anniversary maybe a wooden Catan clay. box. It depends. Wooden clay is pretty good. You get a road, man. Okay. Bam! Let's kick it up a notch and make a legacy version of your game. Hmm. Okay. (sighs) So, if you count the main line books in Dune, the series plays out over tens of thousands of years. If you include the prequels and... uh, uh, post like the Butler and Jihad yeah, and stuff, and and the post uh, entries. Um, you know a lot about Dune for never having fucking read it, buddy. <laughs> We've been around you for a very long time. <laughs> Heard you say a lot of things about Dune, Chris. But yeah, I, I've never. So okay, so, so small confession: I haven't read the Butlerian Jihad. Um, so I haven't been talking Your about soup's it. Soup's a little cold, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the Butlerian Jihad is actually. The robot uprising that led to the universe of Dune mostly having no robots and having a pretty widespread like stigma against the use of robots. Um, it it was a whole thing. Okay, Chris, confession time. Yeah, Dune is also my dad's favorite series of books, mm. so I've been growing up with this for a long time. Okay, so I some stuff I get from him, and having them around the house and stuff. So you're telling me that this entire time. I have felt to you like your dad. No. And you, and you didn't think to tell me about it earlier. 
No, I mean, I wouldn't say you felt like my dad. We're going on 60 episodes and I didn't know this about you. <laughs> We're going on over a decade of friendship and you didn't know that about me. It should have come up within 60 episodes then. <laughs> should have come up within probably the first 60 minutes of us talking. Regardless. Okay. Your pitch. So Dune takes place over a long time, mm -hmm. right? Um, so a legacy game has a lot to work with. Now, the cool thing about Dune is that the planet Arrakis, also known as Arrakis and then eventually just as Dune, I think, um, uh, that planet is central to almost all of the stories, right? Uh, you kind of have like a Battlestar Galactica deal in the uh, intro to Dune where like humanity comes from what is ostensibly our galaxy mm -hmm. because the Dune is kind of a far future uh, of our universe, kind of like Star Trek. Um, um, much further actually than Star Trek, like thousands and thousands of years. Yes. But um, so, so you do have the central planet of Arrakis um, and then a couple of other like key places. Um, you have the seat of the Empire on... Um, Corin, I think, is the name of the planet. Um, I would say that people are going to shame me if I don't get these planets right, but pff, nobody is going to. It's all on me. Yeah. If I get it wrong, I get it wrong. I haven't actually read Dune in a while, but um, uh, and then you know you've got like uh, Gaiety Prime, which is the homeworld of the Harkonnens, and then um, Caladan, which is the home of the uh, of House Atreides. So I think that we have a um, a board with several key planets, each of which represents an important faction. Um, and I think that uh, it plays out kind of in a reverse of the pandemic legacy system in which the viruses kind of um, are treated and spread or like develop new things. I think that each of the factions changes over time um, and uh, you can... Uh, everybody, everybody will play one faction, so you'll be playing the Harkonnens or the Empire or uh, the Fremen or the Atreides. And over time, um, you unlock different like kind of mutations of these forces, like different ideologies, different technologies. You gain or lose control of the Spacing Guild um, and and the ability to move quickly between planets. You develop, you know. Uh, advanced still suits for working on, on Arrakis together, the, you know, the main currency of the game. Um, and so it's kind of like a, like an RTS, like Civ five, where you're building up your abilities and productions game to game with also the, the, the possibility that you might get overrun on one planet and have to flee to another planet. And you might play the next game in kind of exile, trying to retake your planet. Um, and, uh, I would say in the very late game of this legacy, you would see things where like certain forces from um, from from different sides of each have had enough time, like thousands and thousands of years, that they've warped together. And so you see, for instance, like the Bene Gesserit um, turning kind of into the Honored Maters, um, and you get a whole bunch of like these cool like emergent. Uh, Emergent things like where like two forces from your last version of last playthrough of this game will no longer be available because they joined together and became uh, an entity which will then threaten the whole board as like a, a late game kind of like boss thing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, Jafar. So you know Civ? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
So are you adding combat into Catan? Civ. I mean, the hexes do match the hexes. Yeah. Just, I was just going to leave it at that. Just, you know, Civ. I mean, I do like Civ, but I don't like getting nuked by Gandhi. Yeah. That Gandhi, he's going to nuke you. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Chris. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Ben. Unfortunately, you have put yourself in last place. Oh, I know. <laughs> but I guess... I, I, but I have uh, integrity. I appreciate that about... I, I appreciate that about you, Ben. Is that what you appreciate about me? I'm going to need you to take about 20% off the top there, Squirrely Ben. All right. <laughs> I think Ben's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm too fat to run, but I've lost weight, Internet. You can't see it. You probably can't hear it from my voice, but I am slightly slimmer. Woo! Yeah, I'm man. wearing a 2X hoodie right now, and it fits wonderfully. Nice. Yeah. I just recently began the process of having to replace my entire wardrobe because it makes me look like a weird kid from the 90s to be wearing such baggy shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, that's us coming back. Just say it's Jinkos. True story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't really talked about it that much, but I've also been dieting and working out a bunch, and I stepped on a scale for the first time in a month and a half yesterday, and I've lost 12 pounds. So, yeah, feels good. Ben? I, I've you over dropped the, yeah. like 40 pounds in the past year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think between all of us, we've we've lost a host. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. We've lost approximately one geeky Greek gamer of weight. Yes. Between the three of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Season two. Now with 20% less persons. Yep. <laughs> All right, so the finals are myself versus Chris. Um, I will go ahead and round out my picks and do Magic the Gathering. I suppose then that I will uh, follow suit and take Arkham Horror, my last right. remaining pick. All right. Okay, and I will trade you uh, three sheeps for a criteria. What's the currency exchange rate between mana and sheep, do you think? How many sheep equal one black mana? Um, well, black mana would be tough because if those sheep are thralls, then it's just one for one. Because you can so. just sack them for a black mana whenever you want. I don't know, but then again, how many... How are, many... There, are there swamp tiles in Catan? Um, no. So... Holy shit! Rivers. Fucking Magic the Gathering Catan! That would be a fucking... With Can the you, five resources, it's it's okay. So you're playing like a multi-headed, uh, what's it called, a commander game, right? Yeah. You're playing a modified commander game, except that your mana is coming from the way that you're controlling the fucking board. Huh. Right. There'd be a bunch of hexes with different mana symbols on it. Hmm. That could be interesting. That actually sounds really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but my my question is, uh, how many uh, mana would it take to cast a black sheep? Um, well, we'd have to convert it to metric if we're going to do black sheep. No, you would need... You would <laughs> Come need... on! Come on! I don't get the reference. That was the metric song, Black Sheep. Metric song. Oh, okay. As, as, yeah, as from her, Scott Pilgrim. As heard in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> Ben was talking about uh, the um, uh, the lesser known um, David Spade, Chris Farley film, Black Sheep. I'm, I'm guessing that's what he was talking about. In which case, I think two black mana is as much as... Is as much is as cheap as you can resurrect a creature, which you would need to do for Chris Farley. So, oh, yeah. that's sad. But 
I accept the answer. Okay. I don't think it's sad. If, if I could bring him back, I would in a second. I mean, if you're doing it for that cheap, then you're using reanimate, which means he's also a zombie, which has other implications. But he, but you know that zombie Chris Farley would be a hoot, right? I think he'd make it, I think he'd make it work. I think so too. <laughs> he'd find a way. Yeah. All right, our criteria. Okay. Creating an atmosphere is everything. Oh, shit. Creating an atmosphere is everything for a game night. How do you set the stage? For magic? Yep. Okay. Um, well, if I'm setting the stage for magic... Mind freak. I'm probably gonna... about 90 other unwashed people in the back room of a gaming store. Oh, no, no, no. I was <laughs> going to start with Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Most gaming stores, okay. by the way, now... Las Vegas stage. <laughs> Most gaming stores nowadays actually have some, like, basic hygiene requirements. It's great. Um, it's actually... Um, I don't know if you know this, but our local game store, Pandemic, was one of Pandemonium. the first... Or, fuck. Our local game store, Pandemonium, was among the first to institute those rules. Oh, yeah. And, and it got internet famous they got, they got internet famous for it. Yeah. For their take a shower before you come to the PTQ policy. Um, which I appreciated when I was attending their PTQs. It was still pretty smelly. Yeah. yeah. But it's not as smelly as some other ones I've been to. Been to ones where it's like, nobody's in here and it's baked into the room. <laughs> but, I mean, let's be clear yeah. here. Uh, there's, I don't want to, I don't want to toss any shame. I think that thing, it can be smelly. Like that's, that's perfectly fine. Right. But you got to mitigate the smell sometimes. Yeah. Just, mm, just some breeze. Yeah. You know? And I think that people in, a candle. people in general are a lot healthier and a lot happier when they take reasonably frequent showers. And, you know, one thing you can do to help with that baked-in smell, which is something that's part of my pitch, is light some incense. Ooh. Nothing quite sets the mood for magic <laughs> Okay, so like just get, incense. So, Neil Patrick Harris and incense so far. Just Las Vegas stage. Las Vegas stage, Neil Patrick Harris, incense. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know... Well, I was actually, actually, Chris, I was going to take it a different way and it was going to, the incense was going to lead to making the magic happen. Okay. Oh. And that was going to be in the bedroom. Uh, but with we Neil can Patrick just, Harris. with Neil Patrick Harris, um, we can just combine it all. Fuck it. On a Las Vegas stage. Um, so when you're setting the mood for magic, um, there's a couple things to be cognizant of. Uh, you're playing with very expensive cards, typically, mm -hmm. um, even if you're playing, popper you probably have an emotional attachment to the cards or your deck so you can't have things like cheetos or doritos like you would normally have on most game nights because you have dusty fingers which can then damage the cards um they are usually in plastic sleeves though uh so you might be able to get away with chips and dip like a tortilla chip and dip uh, something you could wipe off easily it does depend on the ph of the dust that's used on your snack of choice. It's true. I think that, like, a Cheetos, for instance, the, the cheese uh, dust, that's probably pretty, pretty neutral. However, barbecue dust, that's definitely going to be more acidic. I mean, anything with food coloring in the dust is got a potential to damage the value of the card. Right. So we're going to avoid all that when we're doing magic with Neil Patrick Harris on a Las Vegas stage. Um, yeah. And, you know, like the... You can't do any of the flash paper stuff that he loves because paper and cards. But, right. Uh, Don't want to burn anything. Yeah. But uh, the, like, 
pulling out the forever uh, handkerchief stuff all over the place. Okay, so have I missed a crucial development in pop culture and Neil Patrick Harris is, a magi- is actually a magician? Oh, yeah. That's a thing. He's on the like Las Vegas Board of Magicians. He's an actual magician. It's a thing. Yeah, he's on the board of the Magic Castle in uh, L.A. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Do you think that they do... They do secret dirty stuff at the at the Magic Castle in L.A.? I mean, they I must. assume occasionally they've got a night for it. They must, right? I'd have to imagine. Sexy magic is great. I love sexy magic. Yeah, where'd these handcuffs come from? Hey! <laughs> there is a great uh, fucking routine um, on YouTube um, of a... It's a burlesque show. Um, <laughs> it's a burlesque show, um, and it's a, it's a burlesque magic routine. And the whole gimmick is that she keeps taking off pieces of clothing and making them disappear, which gets better and better the less clothing that she has because <laughs> she doesn't have anywhere to put it. Huh. There is there's a very funny moment where she removes, I think, a piece of like a, a garment and like balls it up in her hand and then disappears it, right? Yeah. <laughs> she pulls it out of her vagina. <laughs> Just like pulls it out of her vagina. It, it's, this it's, is on YouTube? This is on YouTube. It's fascinating. I, okay, so I think that... I don't maybe know. Maybe it's not on YouTube. Maybe not on YouTube anymore. It was on YouTube when I saw it, and I, I'm pretty sure that I shared it around. It, it was, technically speaking, it was great magic. Because the less clothing you have on, the less places you can hide all of the funny little things that you use to do magic. Huh. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess it's time for your pitch, Chris. Okay, let's take a moment to recenter after that. I'm sorry that I took us on an odyssey through sex magic, um, but... Well, I know what I'm Googling when we're done recording. No, because I imagine it's like you saw the girl in half and then do the rest of the show with with just one half of her. (laughs) What? Oh, I was going to say the value of my magic card collection, but that works too. You sold them all already. Yeah, I did. All right, Chris. Set the stage. Okay. <clears throat> I think I'm also going to have Neil Patrick Harris come over to play this game. I mean, if might. it's an option, go for it. Yeah. Um, so he's going to come over. We're going first, to, first off, I think there's a pretty legitimate route that I could have taken to make a bunch of funny jokes about how long this board game takes to set up, right? So I just want to acknowledge that um, how you set the stage for this game is approximately three hours of counting out tokens, shuffling <laughs> decks. Um but let's let's get let's get to the good stuff, right? Let's let's uh, dispense with the. Uh, it's not even foreplay; it's kind of for foreplay. Um, let's dispense with that and get to the actual. Get to long time. Get yeah. Get get what? Foreplay long time. It's yeah, Boston. That's a joke. Oh, okay, that is a joke. Um. Anyway, so Neil Patrick Harris is coming over to play Arkham Horror, right? Yay! You're super excited about this. I don't know how you pulled this off, Ben. Really, um, like, it's Neil Patrick Harris. Right. And you're just Ben, right? Podcast host extraordinaire. Maybe it's because of the podcast. You never know. Maybe he's coming to, maybe he's going to record something while we're playing. Maybe it's, maybe it's a play along episode of the podcast or something. He comes down into the bunker. Cool. Um, except, except that as soon as he gets here, he's acting real funny. Uh Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. He keeps mun- mu- muttering things under his breath. Oh no! Um, do you know what else Neil Patrick Harris is other than being a magician? 
an attempted child murderer. He's what? A series of unfortunate events. He's count <laughs> count off. Okay, fair, fair enough. Um, he's fantastic. The, the king in a yellow suit, perhaps. <laughs> he's a cultist. Uh oh. To Yog Sothoth. Not Yog Sothoth. And um, Neil Patrick Harris comes over to your party to play Arkham Horror, but but re- what he really does is he immediately begins a ritual to summon Yog Sothoth. And um, and unfortunately, in having to you know, prevent this from happening and save the universe, you had nothing. You had no other recourse. You had to kill him. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least he's not Shia LaBeouf. But here's the thing. To the cops? Um, they're not going to believe that. They're not going to believe that. He was Neil Patrick Harris. Who would believe that Neil Patrick Harris was really into Yog sothoth So you have to get rid of the body, Ben. Yeah. There's just no way. The bunker has a lot of ways to get rid of bodies, Ben. It's true. Um, which way do you pick? Uh... I don't know. I take him through that uh, the uh, hidden passageway in the the conservatory. Uh, I believe that drops me out in the uh, the library. Oh, you, do you mean you take the hall of hosts into the basement, and then uh, up to the commissioner's door and through the trap door? Chris, back... are you making this draft bunker again? <laughs> we have to have a conversation. <laughs> so you you finish taking care of the body, Ben? Yes. And, um, and boy, boy, is there a lot of blood and you're trying to figure out what to do with yourself. You're thinking that you're going to go and get a shower. Right. And you, uh, you climb back up the stairs from the murder basement, um, which is now pretty appropriately named. Um, I imagine it always was. You didn't do a murder in the basement, but you did clean up a murder in the basement. Um, and you're cresting the stairs coming back up to the main hall of the bunker when you hear a doorbell. Ding dong. Okay. And you think to yourself, well... There aren't doorbells in the bunker? (laughs) Ignoring that for a second. You think to yourself, well, I suppose it's been a good run. And you walk up to the door, covered in blood, Mm -hmm. to answer it. You know who's at the door, Ben? Who is it? Neil Patrick Harris. Dun dun dun! (gasps) And he's here to play some fucking Arkham Horror with you. Because he's a magician and he faked his own death. It was magic the whole time. Oh man. <laughs> now I have to deal now I have to live with this mental anguish. Thanks, Neil Patrick Harris. It's very in the in, in the uh it's very Call of Cthulhu. It is very Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> mm-hmm. And by extension, Arkham Horror. Yeah. No, it definitely makes sense. And if the, the choice is uh, be on stage with Neil Patrick Harris while he's doing a magic routine or be part of a Neil Patrick Harris magic trick, I'm going to be part of a Neil Patrick Harris magic trick. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Chris wins. I haven't, I haven't, I felt like I've been on a bit of a losing streak lately. This feels good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be back on top. And I haven't gotten to pick a topic in a little while, yeah. actually. Um, and we're in season two now. And I think we're going to go back to where it all began. And next week, we're going to be drafting cover songs again. Oh, shit. I've got a lot of Joe Cocker to listen to. Replaying <laughs> the hits, Jafar. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes you go back to the well. It's not always a bad thing. And we'll be back with that next week. Are we gonna are we gonna forbid our earlier picks? Oh yeah. They're yeah, not. yeah, totally. They're off the table. Yeah. Interesting. There's not a lot of Joe Cogger left on that tree. <laughs> At least a whole album. I'm sure you'll find something, Chris. time uh thanks as always to the kickstand band for our theme song how it feels you can find their music at the kickstandband.bandcamp.com feel free to shoot us an email at drafteruniverse@gmail.com. let us know some of your favorite tabletop game experiences or let us know what kind of cover songs you love facebook.com slash draft the universe twitter at draft the verse find us there we'll talk to you you talk at us there'll be a conversation you're so terse with that last bit talk at us we'll talk at you back Facebook.com slash blah blah blah. Yeah. Draft blah blah blah. Yeah. Just whatever. The Super Bowl started 10 minutes ago. So, okay. I want to go watch the game. Happy happy Sports Day, everybody. Happy Sports Day. Day. And we'll see you next week, Internet. You guys want to do some vocal warm-ups? Me, 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 me. You, 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 you. We, 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 we. Yes, comrade. Us. Us, 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 us. Us, 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 us. I'm going to try and wake up before we record. What's your excuse? You don't have a kid. Uh, I was up playing D&D and drinking. I woke mm. up with a hangover. Yeah. Like, I just, I didn't even get drunk. It's the worst thing that's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Things, generally speaking, cost more over time, right? Uh, inflation. There is sort of a kind of, like, social slash physiological inflation that happens where things that you used to do with some frequency become harder and harder to do the older that you get. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Chris, this is your future. Yeah. Three beers and a hangover. So I think really more than anything, this is just a past hangover. I didn't receive coming and collecting. Mm, So it's like kind of a karmic hangover. Yeah. This is like, one from my early 20s where I drank a fifth in a night and woke up fine the next morning. Well, I mean... If, coming back to get me. I mean, it's probably, like, one of those, like, high school D&D sessions where you, like, slammed a bunch of Taco Bell and Mountain Dew. I'm, 
I had homemade chicken lemon rice soup, and I drank no, I meant, I nice meant, beer. <laughs> I meant no. I meant this is this is the payback for for slamming a bunch of Taco Bell and Mountain Dew. Oh, in your youth. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I figured that was just my gut, but hey. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no audio representation of this comedy that we're doing right now. Yeah, no one can <laughs> see me lurching closer towards you expectantly. But I'm doing it. Okay. Ooh, that one's got some reverb on it. That's nice. It's got, yeah, that one's, I'm going to, I don't want to. Okay. Favorite you. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Season two, slightly different commissioner tone. Yeah, man. Behind the scenes here. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. <laughs> 